Blog Talk Radio. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. 11.55. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story before 12. You're gonna die up there. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hard News Confidential. We are not only breaking news, but we are also making news broadcasting from beyond inner sanctum and through the darkness, directly into your skull. If you dare, take this bizarre journey with us down a twisted, lost highway as we rediscover the creature features from our childhood and re-examine the new monsters of today. You are listening to us live on the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network in conjunction with HorrorNews.net. I am your host, Michael Joy, and we have an exciting program this evening. Um, we got three interviews on tap. Uh, we have Chris Jericho from uh, the world wrestling entertainment genre of professional wrestling. Uh, also, we got uh, Tom Stewart. He's the director of an uh, upcoming movie called Tonight She Comes. Uh, so, uh, I had a chance to view it uh, about a month ago, and it's an out- outstanding uh, piece of work. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, and then also uh, interview with uh, Neil uh, Bloomkamp. Uh, you'll know him from his work. Uh, he's the director of District 9. Uh, and also Elysium. Uh, today he's promoting a, uh, uh, a new film. Uh, it's a, a short film called Zygot. Uh, pretty interesting. He has a, a unique vision uh, for um, the horror um, and the science fiction world. Uh, so it's going to be pretty cool to see what he has to say. But, um, you know, let's, uh, let's just jump right into things. Uh, I'd like to blast off with our very first interview. Let's talk to uh, Chris Jericho, uh, and then after the interview, uh, I think we might be giving away some pretty cool stuff. So uh, for those who want to call in, uh, phone number is 718-508-9883. Once again, that's 718-508-9883. And uh, uh, I think we'll be giving away a... uh, uh, DVD or a Blu-ray. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to double-check. Um, so uh, keep your ears open, uh, and we're going to make that announcement right after this interview. This call is now being recorded. Hey, Chris. Listen, I am, like, a uh, big fan of yours. You know, I don't even know what to, to ask you first, whether it be wrestling, whether it be about a horror movie, whether it be about heavy metal. Whether it be about robots, you you have, you have your your hand in so many different projects, it's unbelievable. But um, my my girlfriend wanted me to to ask you a question, so I'm going to start out with that. Um, sure. She 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 um, 80s heavy metal you know fan from the 80s. Why did you cut your hair? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't know, man. I had long hair for such a, such a long time that I thought it was just time to cut it. It's like, it seemed like the only people that still have long hair were wrestlers at the time. It's like, you know, most bands had cut their hair. And once I saw Bruce Dickinson and James Hetfield had cut their hair, I, I realized it was okay if I cut mine as well. Uh, okay. I think another reason is I live in Florida. Humidity is awful. My hair was never good in humidity. It would end up being, it looked like Shirley Temple curls at all times. <laughs> and uh, it just started driving me nuts. Okay, fair enough. That's great. Um, now, obviously, you know, um, you're doing this interview for um, our horror movie website, which is probably not um, traditionally the places you've been being interviewed for today. 
But, um, you know, what's your, um, you know, are you a big fan of horror movies, or what, what do you think? I've actually done quite a few interviews for horror movie websites because, yeah, I am a total fan of horror movies for, 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 for many years in, in all genres to the point where I even named my son Ash for obvious reasons. So, uh, yeah, always been a big horror movie fan for sure. I, well, I know you've been in, like, you know, um, uh, uh, what is that, Albino Farm, right? Yeah, I did Albino Farm a few years ago, kind of a, a lower-budget horror movie that was still very cool. Uh, you know, it was cool uh, to play that type of creepy character. You know, I've always been uh, kind of enamored by the characters in horror movies, for sure. And then I think um, you just recently, uh, on uh, sand, Sandpaper, right, it was a homage to the Evil Dead um, uh so, yeah, uh, yeah. We um, one thing led to another, and, and the, the majority of my band is based out of Atlanta. And one day, uh, our guitar player Rich Ward was at this, this cabin in the woods, so to speak. And I was like, oh, well, this looks a really cool cabin. Looks like the Evil Dead cabin. And then when we started kind of putting together the sandpaper video. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we kind of did a an Evil Dead homage? So, um, and that's exactly what we did. And I even called the director of Albino Farm, a guy called Sean McEwen, that I'd worked with on that movie, and. Kindred spirit as far as musically and you know uh, visionary as far as filmmaking and we kind of put together the the, the script and 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 the the shot script you know and and it turned out really really good I think we're pretty much almost at seven hundred thousand views on YouTube and on the way to a million and anytime you can get you know heavy metal and Evil Dead mixed together you know you've got a hit. Oh my God, yeah. So are you a fan of the um, the original Evil Dead or Evil Dead? Uh, two or or the remake they just did. Like, what's what's your favorite? Well, I mean, all of them, obviously. But I think Evil Dead in its primitive, it, it's it's so primitive. It's it's quaint. It's fun to watch, even though it's super cheap. It's just one of those ones that you know they caught lightning in a bottle, and even though it was it was very cheaply made, it turned out great and become became legendary. And Evil Dead Two is basically a remake of Evil Dead One, just with a higher budget. But I was kind of like uh, Army of Darkness. I thought that was a pretty cool movie, even though it was very campy. But um. You know, I always was really into the, the character of Ash. I just love the fact that, A, I always liked him off the bat because I thought that he looked like Steve Harris from Iron Maiden when I first saw him. Right. I think I looked like Steve Harris. So I liked him right away because he looked like my favorite bass player. And then, of course, the character is, 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 is such a great character in the fine tradition of you know, Indiana Jones or any movie Jackie Chan is in where he he's just gets the shit kicked out of him and always sticks his own foot into his mouth, but yet is able to squeak out of it and, you know, get the girl every time so it was a really cool cool character and actually there was a rumor a couple of years ago they did a comic of it but they were working on trying to do Eddie versus or sorry uh, Ash versus Freddy versus Jason which would have been amazing but I guess Sam Raimi didn't want to do it but it's like oh that would have been awesome to see that yeah I think there was like a uh, spec script floating out there for a while uh, about it and definitely the rumor mill was going that, that would have been one heck of a movie um, yeah about it yeah but, for sure now, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, you're just a busy guy. Um, you know, you were just wrestling for the WWE. Now you're, um, you know, back touring with Fozzie. Um, do you think you're going to have any room um, to uh, maybe do another horror movie in the uh, distant future? Yeah, I mean, I, I love acting. It's uh, it's always a blast to do, and I've done quite a few things over the years, but that was kind of the only horror, horror you know, genre movie I did was with Albino Farm, but... You know, I'm always open to doing more stuff. It just depends on what my schedule is. I've gotten offered a lot of things, but a lot of the things you get offered are just not all that good. So I just politely decline on them. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I would love to do more. I'm, I'm a huge horror movie fan. I always have been. I still have my favorites. You know, Sleepaway Camp 1 and 2 are amazing. Basket Case is one of my favorites. Uh, Blood Sucking Freaks is amazing. Um, I went through a big J, J horror phase where, you know, obviously the, the ring was great. Uh, Audition I loved. Battle Royal was amazing. Uh, Uzumaki was another one that I really dug. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of different um, genres that, 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 that I'm interested in. You know, we used to have a club when I was growing up. We called it the cheap-ass club. We'd go and rent bad B movies or C movies, you know, horror movies, and just kind of watch them and, and make calls, we would call it, where we would... Um, you know, sometimes the movies are so boring that to keep yourself entertained, if any character came on screen that vaguely looked like somebody else, you'd make the call. Like, is that Mr. Carter or is that David Lee Roth or is that, you know, uh, is that Pamela Anderson? Like whoever kind of vaguely looked like somebody. And the more obscure call you could make, the bigger the laugh you got. So it became like a tradition 
amongst the guys that I grew up with that we still do to this day. We did it a, a couple months ago. I went back to Winnipeg and we watched um, Human Centipede 2, and, and obviously just the worst movie ever, but had some great <laughs> calls that we were able to make to keep ourselves laughing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, it's, uh, I love the 80s, you know, back when v, v, uh, VHS was out and just like, yeah, selling to the video store and just like picking out like those VHS tapes out of the horror aisle. I mean, you know, every week. Um, I mean, yeah, it's so out. random. You know, you'd never know what you're going to get. Like, you'd see, like, you know, the house, house in the cemetery, or you see zombie or zombie lake or all these, like, what, the, what, like, what is zombie lake? Like, it just has to be bad. Let's check it out. You right. Know, you always have some fun with those type of movies for sure. Oh, yeah, that, that was the best time, man. Um, but I guess I should ask you, though, um, so um, Sacrifice for Sin, Paul's work? Um, yes. Well, tell me, what's going on? Well, we're getting ready to go on tour with, with Saxon, who's uh, one of the most legendary, influential heavy metal bands ever. Uh, their first big tour of the state in years, and they asked us to come with them. So uh, we've been touring for a year straight on the, on the Sin and Bones record, and this will be our second full-length coast-to-coast U.S. tour on this tour cycle, and anytime you can do over 100 shows on, on one album, you know it's been a success. So we've just finished our 14th country. We came back from Europe last week, and um, you know we're excited. To, it's always great to, to tour other places, but it's nothing like playing in your own country. So that's always a blast for sure. So we're excited, man, and, and, and half you know half the fun of that is getting to the, uh, you know, gas stations, truck stops at 4 a.m. and you need to find a movie and you go inside and they have all these movies, like two for 20 bucks, and you can find some good cheap ass horror movies in there too. So that's, that's, that's the mainstay on any tour bus is always some, some bad horror movies. Always good for a laugh. Oh, my God, yeah, definitely. I, I got a quick question for you. So, like, you know, you're on stage and, and you know, you're very active and, you know, doing all the songs. So what's more exhausting, like uh, putting on a show or being, like, in a wrestling match at, would go like maybe um, 30 or 40 or 45 minutes? Pretty much uh, both. I think it's funny because wrestling is a little bit more even-paced. I mean, you, you take your bumps and bruises, but there's up and down, up and down, whereas the Fozzie show is is so manic, lots of energy throughout the whole show. And like I said, we just came back from Europe, and it was really hot over there. And every night after the show, I'm not exaggerating, it looked like I had just come out of a swimming pool. I had a couple of videos where I just take my, my shirt off that I'm wearing you know, backstage after the show and just squeeze it and watch, like, these cups of sweat, like, just filling cups of sweat. It's so disgusting, but that's the type of, of energy that we have on stage. So, um, you know, it's kind of six and one half dozen of another. It's, it's more physical, like a like doing 45 minutes of cardio uh, when you're with Fozzie on stage and doing maybe 45 minutes of, like, a heavy lifting workout when you're wrestling which is, you know, right, you're doing right. your reps, and then you're putting the weight down and taking a break. Whereas with Fozzy, it's, you know, first song to last song, here we go. Uh, fair enough. Hey, so, um, like, I was on um, I was on uh, Facebook the other day, and I, I got a uh, – I told some people that I was going to be interviewing you today. And uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, Jeff Osborne from uh, Evansville, Indiana, I think he did some MAMA stuff. He wanted me to ask you, and I don't know if you have an answer for this, but I told him I'd ask you this. He said, ask Chris Jericho about his first um, uh, time he went to an MMA show. Sorry, did you ask me about what? Uh, he, he asked me to ask you the first time you went to an MMA show, a mixed martial arts show. Have you um, been to uh Yeah, I'm not sure if I've ever been to one, to be honest with you. I can't remember. I've never been to any UFC fights or anything like that. It's not really my thing, and it's, you know when I when I have time off, the last thing I want to do is go see something I'm kind of interested in. If I don't go to a rock show, I'd rather just stay home with my family or you know watch movies when I go to sleep. Okay, fair enough. Um, and of course, um, I, I'm just you know a big uh, other than a horror fan, I'm a big wrestling fan, and I'm actually like in South Jersey, so I'm about like literally like ten minutes from like South Philadelphia. So, obviously, where I'm going with this is I used to see you all the time at the ECW arena, you know, when you, um, you know, when you were in ECW and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, always great times and, and always great shows. Um, so, like, you know, the smaller shows that you did back in the day, like the ECW arenas and, you know, stuff like that, um, how would you compare um, wrestling in those arenas to, like, the stuff you do in the WWE? Um, 
uh, is it the same style of wrestling, or are you a little bit more restricted in the WWE? Um, what's your opinion? We just get better as, as, as your career goes on. I mean, obviously, ECW was a lot of fun, but it wasn't a different style. It's like anywhere you go, each company has a different style that you, that you do, whether you go to Japan or you go to Mexico or, you know, Smoky Mountain Wrestling or ECW or WCW or WWE. And just, um, you know, there's a reason why WWE is the best company in the world because the style is the best. You tell better stories. Um, you know, you're not going through tables and all that sort of stuff, and nor should you be because that's just kind of more stunt show type stuff. So, uh, there is a stylistic change, but it's for the better. You know, you're kind of going from, from the minor leagues to the big leagues. But I still love my time in ECW. It was a lot of fun. And at the time, it was very uh, cutting edge and very groundbreaking. But I can't even watch a lot of those matches looking back on them because from what I, the way I do things now, looking back then, you kind of just like cringe. You're like, oh, rookie mistake, rookie mistake, rookie mistake. But at the time, it was, it was genius, you know? Well, I mean, I just love seeing, like, you know, Guys like you, um, like uh, Eddie Guerrero and, and Chris Benoit, you know, um, doing like you know the the Dennis Carluzzo shows or the ECW shows uh, or you know whatever independent show, uh, and then moving on to the WWE. And now we're seeing like Ring of Honor guys like you know CM Punk and uh, uh, you know uh, Daniel Bryan moving on and, and now being like some of the top guys in the WWE. So. Well, it's just they're good, you know, because all of the guys you mentioned are just good performers, and you can adapt to anywhere that you go. So that's, you know, that's kind of the, the you know, the, the best performers will always get over, no matter where they're wrestling. They'll just figure out the way to do it. And, you know, and, and CM Punk and Daniel Bryan aren't doing the same type of matches that they did in Ring of Honor, the same way that right. Chris Jericho and Eddie, and Eddie Guerrero weren't doing the same matches that we did in, in ECW. So it's just all about adapting and morphing to the style of the company that you're in. All right. Um, just gonna change gears back to heavy metal for a second. Um, you are like the yearly host for the um, Metal Gods, uh, Golden God Heavy Metal Award Show. Um, you um, you gonna do it again next year? Uh, if they ask me, yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's always a blast. And at this point, we have it down to a science, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to, to figure out how to you know how to run a show like that. And it's almost like you know going to summer camp. You're meeting people that you haven't seen since last year. Um, get a chance to hang out with people that you would never normally see, and get a chance to meet some some legends that that I hadn't had a chance to meet. I think you know Alex Cooper is like my Golden Gods buddy. I see him only once a year at Golden Gods, or you know Gene Simmons or Nikki Six or guys like that. So. Um, even though we've gotten, you know, we were friends and played shows all the time with Anthrax and Metallica and, you know, Avenged Sevenfold, it's always cool when you get a chance to meet up with Geezer Butler and say hi to him or whatever it is. So yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, show. It's really grown over the last few years. You know, Metallica played this year, which is as big as it gets, and we want to see it continue to grow. So as long as they continue to ask me to do it, I will make sure to be able to do it. Do you still um, mark out for any um, any bands that you like? You're like, you know. Uh, uh, legends to you, uh, any like heroes to you that you still like, you know, maybe get some butterflies in your stomach when you when you see them again or always, them for the first time. Yeah, always, man. I mean, that's that's the thing, and that's the cool thing. Of, you know, it happened when I first started wrestling too. Is when you start out as fans, then you become peers. You know, and that's what it's like in, in music too. I mean, the first time I met James Hetfield, I almost started crying, and that was only three or four years ago. And now, you know, we played so many shows with them. It's like, hey, James, what's up? Blah, blah 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 blah. And you know, it's kind of the the rite of passage when you're you know, becoming more familiar with these guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's been like that with James or with Ozzy when I met him or, you know, Gene Simmons or anybody that you have a lot of respect for the first time you meet him is always butterflies. Yeah. Bruce Dickinson. I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I would be the same way, not that I've, I've ever met any of those guys. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But when, I've had a when I've had a chance to meet my, my wrestling heroes or my horror heroes, I mean, um, I'm obviously, like, you know, uh, beside myself. Yeah, no, it's always it's always a blast, man. You know, any chance you get to meet, to meet those guys, or you know, become friends with them. Like me and Eli Roth became friends years ago, and um, I was a fan of Eli's from Cabin Fever. And I remember being at his house when he was explaining this new movie that he wanted to do about kids in a hostel. And he kind of explained it all to me, and here we go. You know, two years later, it's all on screen. And it, you know, that was kind of cool too, because I went from a fan to a friend, and kind of you know, pulling for him the whole time when he was creating, you know, this amazing images that he put into hostel and to kind of see them on the screen after he told me about them, you know, visually, it was a, a cool moment for sure. Definitely. 
Uh, uh, Chris, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm always beside myself when, when I, you know, meet celebrities that, that you know, I, uh, I, I've grown up and, and, you know, watched, you know, whether it be horror or heavy metal or, or pro wrestling, and, and you're one of them. I mean, I can't believe I'm talking to you, so I just want to thank you so much for this interview. Um, pretty much out of questions, I've asked you everything that I had to ask, but um, cool. this, this has been uh, definitely a privilege for me. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for your time, and, and have a good day. Okay, you too, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was an interview uh, that I did with Chris Jericho. Actually, uh, it wasn't a, um, a brand-new interview. I did that quite some time ago, but I figured I would dig deep into the archives and uh, resurrect it uh, for you guys to listen to because I, don't know, I thought it was a pretty cool little interview, and you know, he really touched base on everything from professional wrestling to horror movies to heavy metal um, you know, he covered it all, and, and uh, it was a great interview, I thought. What, what did you guys think? But um, we, um, every once in a while, we get some emails, and I uh, want to kind of switch gears. Um, and uh, different companies that I deal with offer some giveaways, and, uh, you know, I'd like to do that right now. Uh, Arrow Academy, uh, in conjunction with MVD Entertainment Group, um, we got a uh, uh, Blu-ray DVD um, of Pulse that is available, um, and uh, we're going to give it away. Um, it's from uh, award-winning filmmaker uh, Kurosawa, and it's a uh, uh, one of his. Um, uh, I believe it's one of his first. Uh, it's a, a pretty cool movie. Uh, again, this is a. Uh, uh, horror movie from uh, you know the, uh, the J horror, the Japanese realm of horror. Um, so pretty cool stuff. Um, so if anyone wants it, I, I'll give it to you. Um, so you can either uh, you know give me a call uh, right here at um, Totally Driven Entertainment at Block Talk Radio. Uh, phone number is uh, 718-508-9883. Um, you know, or you can e- email me. We can do that too at joyhar at msn dot com. Uh, so uh, give me a call, email me, and you start doing it now if you want. Um, so there we have it. A scientist named Frankenstein made a monster by sewing together parts of old dead bodies. You have to read that stuff. Wait a minute. Frankenstein gave the monster eternal life by shooting it full of electricity. Some people claim it is not dead even now, uh-huh. just dormant. <laughs> now, who'd be silly enough to believe that? <laughs> <laughs> who would be silly enough to believe that? <laughs> Me. Uh- <laughs> yeah, a little bit of uh, Abbott and Costello. Um, and, you know, every once in a while I pull those guys out because, um, you know, quite honestly, you know, I, I love their comedy. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid uh, and watching all the uh, Frankenstein and Wolfman and Dracula movies, um, you know, Evan Costomi Frankenstein was kind of the culmination of that because, you know, it was, you know, all the monsters in one movie with, you know, these two funny guys. And, uh, I talked about it a couple weeks ago, and, you know, I'm going to mention it again because I really think it's a formula that could be repeated in, um, you know, modern cinema. Uh, They really haven't done anything like it lately, mixing genres. Um, Not like that. I I think one of the examples I've given, and I think it's actually a pretty good example, would be, um, you know, today's uh, films, Abbott Costello and Frankenstein would kind of be the equivalent of um, maybe Jay and Silent Bob meet Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees or or Michael Myers, uh, you know, something like that. Um, I don't know. That's just my take on it. Uh, But uh, let's let's just turn to uh, carnews.net. I just want to go over some of the uh, 
some of the things making news, some of the things in our headlines right now. Uh, we got some pretty cool uh, articles up. Uh, Terrifying Trailblazers uh, is up right on our front page. Uh, I would suggest anyone who wants to take a look, you know, please come on, feel free, stop by uh, hardnews.net. Uh, also, we got a film review of The Mummy, uh, the new one that just came out. We got a film review um, of Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Uh, and then we got a, um, uh, a special feature on the films of Bruce Lee. Now, not quite the horror genre, but sometimes we kind of step outside the box and, you know, go, um, go a little left, go a little right with science fiction, uh, cult classics, and in this case, martial arts movies. So some uh, some pretty decent uh, decent things going up on hardnews.net. Um, you know, once again, if anyone's interested, um, yeah, give me a uh, give me a ring or give me a call, and we'll give away some uh, some DVDs. But uh, right now, um, let me just I'm just going through some of my uh, some of my emails right now. I uh, hope everyone's enjoying this. We got two uh, pretty cool interviews to go, uh, and that's going to be with uh, Matt Stewart, and he's the director of Tonight She Comes, and then also uh, Neil uh, Blomkamp, and he's the uh, director of um, this new short film by uh, uh, Oaks um, called Zygote. It's actually the third short film, I think, that he's done um, for uh, uh, Oaks Films. Uh, it's pretty interesting too, um, but uh, we'll, we'll have that coming up in, in just a few. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Yeah, I I kind of say that too, um, but uh, you know what? Let's um, right now uh, while I'm thinking about it, let's get our uh, commercial breaks out of the way, and we'll be right back after these messages. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence, or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, 
trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. Call is now being recorded. Hi, this is Michael Joy from HorrorNews.net, and we have on the phone uh, Neil Blomkamp, uh, director of District 9 and Elysium. And, uh, well, h- how you doing, Neil? Oh, doing great, doing great. I'm super excited about this uh, you know, new upcoming short, Zygote. Um, now, it's being brought to um, everyone by Oats Studios. First, ask you a little bit about that, um, your relationship with Oat Studios. Okay. Uh, well, my relationship with it is that we started it about two years ago in order to do these kinds of strange, experimental, weird, shorter films. So um, we, we hand-built a team uh, that has been working for about two years. Um, I mean, I, I noticed you've been doing, um, you know, these, um, you know, these short films lately. So, um, I mean, I'm assuming this gives you like a lot more freedom and creativity than, um, you know, studio films. Um, is that a safe assumption? Yeah, exactly. That's why it was. That's why we built it. I mean, it was was in order to to kind of just be as expressive as as we could be, and you know, not not be constrained by financial decisions. Well, I mean, you know, I, I really like everything in your catalog, and uh, you have a this unique vision about um, the future and, you know, making these futuristic-type movies. Um, now, I know you're from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. So, like, what plays into that? Like, what inspired you as a child over there at movies that you watched or, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think it's no different really from a kid growing up in California. That um, uh, the only the only film that has uh, that has any relevance really to South Africa is specifically District Nine, um, which was very much an allegory for apartheid that I that I lived through as a teenager. Right. Uh, other than that, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm any different from from a kid growing up in Vancouver or LA. Uh, where I, I just wanted to get into filmmaking. I had filmmakers that I really admired and films that I loved watching. And, you know, it was just the, the artistic profession that I felt like I really wanted to get into. Um, so, you know, I think one of the cool things with Oats is that I can do several different kinds of projects and several different kinds of things almost simultaneously, where if you do a single feature film, you'll be doing, you'll be doing that film for like two years. So um, in, in the space of the same two years, um, I'll, I'll have done four, five, six, seven pieces, you know, working inside of this studio. Uh, and if you look at the three feature films that I've done, none of them really have as much of a horror element or as much of a sort of like a gore horror slant to them as much as Zygote or Raka or Firebase. Firebase is kind of surrealist, I suppose. But... Um, it's a way to just be expressive and mess around in these in these other genres that you know would would take me two years to do one independent one film, not not as many as this. Have you seen Zygote? You know, I, I have not. So you know, I'm I'm anticipating to watch it. I'm really excited to do. Um, so for myself and for our listeners, uh, just tell us a quick quick description of what Zygote is or what it's about. Uh, well, it's it's basically um, it's basically set about sixty years from now, uh, and it's it's a, it's a twenty minute snapshot into an Arctic mining operation that has run into something otherworldly and has kind of chipped away the entire mining population down to just two people. Uh, so that's the setting. It's uh, you know it, it has an interesting it has an interesting tone about it. 
And have you seen Raka or Firebase? No, you know what? I recently, I, I've just discovered, um, you know, Oats Studio. So, like, you know, as soon as I hang up the phone with you, I'm going to, that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm going to be watching those movies, those uh, short films. Okay. Uh, but I mean, just because they're um, they're um, they're short films, I mean, you have some some great celebrities like with Zygo, you have uh, Dakota Fanning and uh, Jose, Jose Pablo uh, Cantillo. Um So I mean, yeah. it's not like I, you know. How, how was it working with those? I worked with um, Dakota on on a commercial that I shot with her, and she's very. I just love working with her. She's like an absolute pro. She's super talented. Um, and so when we had the script for this piece, it felt like she was someone that you know, if, we, if she said yes, would just be this this real added bonus for us. And she did, and I love her in the piece. So it it just worked out. One of those things. Okay. Um, so. Um Going back to like uh, Oat Studios, I'm, I'm curious. Um, is this um, how many more do you have um, planned uh, in, in the upcoming future that we can look forward to? Uh, well, we have one more piece after Zygote, which is the same scale. We kind of we kind of have these pieces that are in the 20 minute realm that are um, bigger and more expensive than than another kind of four, five, six, seven pieces that we have that are much smaller in the three, four, five, six-minute realm. So of the bigger kind of flagship pieces, um, there's one more after Zygote that we don't, I don't, I'm not actually sure how long it's going to take to finish that one. Um, Zygote, Firebase, and Raka are obviously all completed. Um, so there's four, and then there's these other smaller ones. And so we've essentially released 70-80% of what we consider to be volume one of the films that we're releasing. And once once all of that is released, we'll figure out how to do volume two. Okay, fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, super excited to, to, to watch them and then also the upcoming things. So, um, I, mean, the way, I mean, the way the Hollywood system is now, I mean, like, I don't know if you agree with me, but I see... Um, you know, these type of studios being um, basically the future Hollywood system that we're going to be looking forward to, you know, Internet-based and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it kind of seems like it's moving towards that direction. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to know where it's going to go. The, the, driving, the driving motivator for me was um, that a lot of the decisions, you know, the, the very big, bloated, uh, 100-year-old mechanisms of Hollywood – tend to create scenarios where um, free thought and inspiration and, and uh, the moment that you think something up passionately and you want to execute it, it tends to get overthought and over-intellectualized and over-analyzed to make sure that it's going to make its money back to the point that right. a lot of the stuff that's made is stale. And um, so the, the initial spark for this was just to kind of try to be as creative as possible and not not succumb to that. Uh, it, that that means that you know the the business model and this kind of like future newer internet distribution method and and the way that it looks like things go are going. That was a, just simply a byproduct of this other right. thought process. So we're still finding our feet. I mean, we don't even necessarily know how to monetize any of it, and hopefully we figure it out just because it's been a good two years of making this stuff. But, of course. Um, but no, the, the goal the goal was just to make cool stuff. And I mean, um, hopefully, if you see the three films that are out, if you include Zygote, um, you will agree with that. Oh, I, I mean, I've um, yeah, I've seen um, uh, uh, snippets, uh, and it was, from what I've seen, if it's anything, you know, like the full thing, it's it's going to be outstanding. Um, so I know it touched on really. Um, brief earlier, but I just wanted to uh, get your um, uh, from your from your childhood, from growing up. Who who was your uh, inspiration, or what movies inspired you to um, you know uh, become the creative thinker that you are? Uh, well, things that I think had a really big effect on me, like um, I love The Exorcist, I love The Shining, um, I love Alien. I mean, Alien was a really big one. Uh, which I think is is pretty obvious in my work. Oh yeah, <laughs> so a, lo a lot of yeah, a lot of Carpenter stuff. 
has a lot of parallels with uh, with Vigo to me. It's it, that you know they, they they feel like they're they're kind of related. Um, a lot of Ridley Scott stuff. Uh, Blade Runner, you know, is a visual kind of tonal feast that was a really big deal to me. Um, so it's it's in that zone, you know. Uh, okay. So you basically you basically just named all my favorite films. So I mean, you know, we're we're basically right on the same page. So I, <laughs> I'm happy. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> But you know what? I mean, you know, it's been fantastic talking to you. You know, I want to thank Think Jam for putting this together. Um, and uh, you know, everyone, uh, I think uh, uh, July 12 is the date that um, you can see uh, Zygote from uh, Oak Studios. Um, so I mean, I'm going to watch it. You know, you guys check it out. Yeah, cool, man. Thank you. All right, thanks. Okay. Thank you. Okay, that was a uh, interview I conducted with uh, Neil Blumkamp, director of uh, new short film uh, from Oats Studios, Zygote. Uh, of course, you'll know Neil from District 9 and Elysium and, and a host of other movies. Um, so it sounds like a, a pretty interesting um, uh, short film, uh, science fiction film, uh, very futuristic and has a lot of horror elements to it as well. Uh, but uh, uh, hopefully we'll be uh, hearing more from uh, from Neil uh, about more uh, Oat Studios projects that he has down the pipeline. Uh, but right now, actually, I'd like to uh, uh, talk about Art Exploitation Films, uh, which is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's a distribution company uh, based basically right across the bridge from us. Um, and uh, they're really making a global impact uh, featuring a catalog of movies from around the world. Uh, Art exploitation films, movies include um, movies from Australia, Germany, South Korea, Lithuania, uh, Slovenia, Spain, France, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, of course, right here in the United States. Uh, they host uh, an array of different independent films. Uh, again, uh, you know, they, uh, they're they not your average uh, distributor. Um, you know, these guys are committed to bringing their audience uh, the most intriguing, unsettling, and unpredictable, uh, even pro provocative films uh, around, more, more so than any other distribution company. Um, you see, it's like... You don't just watch art exploitation films; uh, you really experience them. Um, it's a perfect blend of uh, genre and exploitation films, uh, mixed with your um, traditional art house type cinema. Um, and uh, uh, some of their recent titles: uh, they did a remake of uh, Vampires. Uh, they have a time travel uh, indie movie uh, uh, counterclockwise. That one was filmed uh, in the United States. Uh, Horsehead, uh, Their Samurai, Killbillies is another one. Deadly Virtues, uh, Observance, uh, and uh, then of course, uh, you know, coming up this October, uh, making its run. Towards the holiday season, Halloween to Christmas, um, the, the art exploitation films uh, has a abortion-themed holiday horror movie uh, that can only be called Red Christmas. Uh, it's going to be available on VOD, DVD, and Blu-ray formats. Uh, you can probably check more information out about that film if you go to their website. Uh, that would be www.artsploitationfilms.com. Uh, we'll be talking more about this particular film uh, in the weeks and months to come. Uh, again, it's Red Christmas, and what's cool about Red Christmas is um, it's an Australian horror movie set at Christmas time. So if that isn't bizarre enough, um, you know, it has a... Uh, it throws a monkey wrench right at everyone with this uh, strange uh, abortion uh, angle, uh, you know, to it. 
But um, but I mean, I'm not even talking about the best part of the movie yet. Uh, and all all parts are great, but uh, the uh, legend herself, uh, film icon and uh, original screen queen, uh, Dee Wallace, uh, was executive producer and uh, and star of this film. And uh, you know, actually, you know, I'll, I'll drop a bombshell right now. We we have a uh, an interview with Dee Wallace uh, coming up in the next week or two. Um, you know, right here on. Horror News Confidential, brought to you by the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network and uh, HorrorNews.net. So once again, we're going to have Dee Wallace in the coming weeks right on our program talking about this uh, unique uh, independent horror film from Australia called Red Christmas. Um, And once again, you know, if for some unknown reason you don't know who Dee Wallace is, I mean... She's been in E.T. Uh, she's the mom from E.T., the extraterrestrial. Uh, she's the mom from Cujo, who was trapped in the car with this killer dog, you know, trying to eat its way through the doors and eat her and her child. Um, Dee Wallace is also from uh, probably one of, it's probably my favorite werewolf movie, uh, come to think of it. It's The Howling. Um, it's either... The Howling, or no, The Howling is probably my favorite werewolf movie. Uh, I'd be hard pressed to uh, to really think of another one. Ginger Snaps comes to mind as another great werewolf movie, um, and of course, American Werewolf in London. Uh, okay, so right there, you got my top three werewolf movies. Um, so I'm total sidetrack there on werewolf movies, but. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to bring up uh, how Dee Wallace is going to be on there and um, how Red Christmas is, is going to be uh, much talked about in uh, the weeks and months to come. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I uh, hope everyone's enjoying the program so far. We've had some pretty cool interviews with Chris Jericho uh, and then also um, with, uh, with uh, Neil uh, Blumkamp about his upcoming Zygote uh so it's interesting stuff coming up. Uh, really excited about it. We got one more interview coming up in just a few minutes, uh, and uh, that's going to be uh, the director of uh, a pretty cool movie called Tonight She Comes, uh, making its the film festival rounds right now. Uh, I'm not sure if it's got distribution yet, uh, but someone's going to definitely um, snatch it up because it's uh, uh, well worth. Um, it's well worth it. It's a really good movie. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Uh, I think I did that one already. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. Being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> All right. So, uh, without further ado, let's, uh, let's go to an interview with uh, Matt Stewart about Tonight She Comes. Call is now being recorded. Yeah, hey, this is Mike Joy from HorrorNews.net, and uh, we have on the phone uh, the director of uh, a fantastic movie, uh, Matt Schwartz. Am I getting your name correctly? Uh, it's Matt Stewart. Stewart, so okay. Pretty, pretty close, yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. I knew I was going around the right track there. But um, anyway, um, it's nice to talk to you finally. Yeah, yeah, good to talk to you too. And uh, yeah, right. I'm glad you enjoyed the film. All right. So um, I guess just to to start out with, um, if you could just um, tell our audience, it's just a, a rough rundown of basically what the movie's about. Yeah. So uh, Tai Chi Comes is, in some ways, a slasher film with kind of like a bit of a retro vibe um, involving a group of kids 
and a group of uh, sort of cult members that uh, have things go horribly wrong uh, after a ritual, and they're sort of just dealing with the craziness that ensues. <laughs> well, obviously, you, you cannot make a movie like this without being a, a fan of the horror genre. So I just wanted to rewind a little bit and uh, well, back to your childhood, maybe, and, and just ask you, what was your favorite movie when you were a kid? Um, any Anyone's pop out? I'm trying to think favorite horror movie. So not really even quite a – well, not not really at all, but it sort of has a bit of horror elements to it. Um, weirdly enough, like – granted, I'm sure a lot of kids had this as their favorite movie, but uh, the 89 Batman, okay. which, uh, you know, yeah, not, not exactly a normal, like, horror choice, but I feel like it just has that kind of, like – weird vibe to it as like a young young kid watching uh this movie i don't know it actually never even occurred to me until this very moment that that may have been like what set me on sort of like a horror path so so that could be the turning point in the whole uh the whole thing that may have been it's probably that combined with uh the original wolfenstein 3d video game Okay. That uh, sort of instilled like the horror slash gore kind of love into me. Okay. Hey, that's that's okay. You know, wherever you get the inspiration from, as long as it leads you to make a movie like you made, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, I mean, I know you just answered the that, but. Taking it to the next level, what actually made you want to make movies? What made you get into the film industry um, besides, you know, a love for, you know, those movies and, and video games? Yeah, so I guess it was sort of just a uh, thing where I just started watching so many movies, like, it was like basically the first year of college for me. I mean, you know, I watched a lot of movies before that too, but then for some reason I was just like, all right, I'm off on my, on my own. I'm going to uh, just watch everything I've ever wanted to watch and never had a chance to. And then I was just like, hmm, I don't know. It might be fun to like make a little short film or something. So I like, ended up getting a kind of a crappy little camcorder, shooting some random stuff. It was a little bit more comedy at that time just because it's, kind of easier to do that by yourself um right and then yeah it just sort of like slowly grew and like had a lot of friends that also um were into that sort of thing or acting in it or whatever so i guess it wasn't it was more of like a gradual like as each uh as it went from like short with nothing no people in it to short with one person to short with a bunch of people then it was just like all right let's uh think about doing a feature Okay. All right. Hey, that's cool. Um, so basically tonight she comes. Um, that's what led us here. And it's, it's quite an interesting movie. How did you come up with the idea for the movie? Um, so it actually happened on a car ride back from uh fantastic fest one year, a few years ago, okay. uh, which is just sort of like, uh, festival I've gone to a bunch of times and it's always really fun and uh it just kind of like I mean anytime at any festival just watching a million movies back to back it like totally gets me in the mood to like all right yeah. I gotta make something <laughs> and uh so somehow that title just kind of like popped into my mind and as like a title that I thought was like kind of fun and like a little bit sexy and I was like I feel like this is a good title for a movie <laughs> And uh, yeah. it went and ended up going through like a bunch of different iterations in terms of what the actual movie is going to be. Like originally, it was just totally different. It was almost a little bit more like Reanimator esque and uh, more sci fi as well. And then uh, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's not working for me. And uh, I don't know. Uh, so I had a I had been to sort of a lake house that a friend's family owned, and I was like this would be a cool place to sort of write a movie around. And that's even where I 
wrote the movie sort of to take place at first, even though it ultimately ended up taking place at a different location. Okay. Uh, so yeah, just kind of like a slow burn of like creativity post movie watching and just like knowing some cool locations that I wanted to shoot at. Okay. So, um, how long did it take to actually uh, make the movie? Uh, it was a 15-day shoot, so it's pretty quick. And, uh, you know, post-production, of course, took quite a while, just many months. Um, and then pre-production actually was kind of crazy fast. So, I mean, sort of, you know, it was probably like a year from, like, start to the final cut of the film. Okay. Now, does that include writing the script, or how long did it take you to write the script? Um, yeah, it actually would include writing the script, too. The, the script is... I mean, I guess it's kind of sounded like a lot of the elements of the film came together in a way like this, but it's like I'd kind of been writing a little bit, got like kind of a rough outline of the film going and like even wrote maybe about three-fourths of it and then kind of just sat on it for a few months. And then uh, I was like, all right, I got to finish this movie. Went back, was reading it, and was like, the screenplay sucks. And uh, so, uh, but like, I liked the, I liked the concept of it a lot, but the, just like the execution and like the character dialogue, I was like, this is terrible. So I just scrapped it. And then I was like, but I still have it super fresh in my mind. So I'm just going to take a week and uh, write this thing out. And then that's sort of when I got to draft one of Tonight She Comes as it is today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sort of just a long-winded way of uh, answering that screenplay question. No, no, that's great. Um, and i, I got to tell you, I mean, so there's um, there's a great collection of young actors in this movie. Uh, you know, a great cast. They're very enjoyable. Um, probably, I guess, the, um, the role of Chrissy was probably the most challenging role to uh, cast. Um, how did you go about that, and, and were you looking for someone particular, or um, did you say the the role of the girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one where going into it, I just, like wasn't quite sure what I was going to do for that. Um, as yeah, it is basically a person that's sort of walking around covered in blood and nothing but for the entire movie, right? <laughs> and uh, so I actually ended up going, doing sort of more of like a model search and okay. uh, ended up finding Dal, who I cast in the movie as, and she was sort of just kind of like a part-time indie model. Uh, and she just like t- had the look that I wanted and had the like, like her audition since she didn't really say anything, it was kind of more just like, okay, show us like these expressions. And so it was even a little bit more model ask in terms of an audition too and uh okay. just essentially in all of the different moods that that character needs to give off she just was nailing it in the, the audition and then she also was just totally cool about yeah whatever like uh i'm just down to make this movie <laughs> all right hey you know what uh, that that's great um and now i'm sure you know, it's it's always not always fun in games making a movie. Was there any part that was like the most challenging aspect of the um the film shoot that you um you know could tell us about? Um, yeah, the most I mean the most challenging thing overall was just due to the weather and the limited amount of sunlight that we had. Uh so we shot in November so in the Midwest, so it was fairly cold. Um just in despite not looking that cold most of the time in the movie, uh, it was actually much colder. So actors were kind of freezing their asses off. And then, like, even in the mornings on the daytime shoots, once sunlight would hit, the ground is, like, still frosty. So we'd have to even just wait for that to not look like everything was frozen. So it was just sort of cutting out the amount of time we could shoot during the day. So a lot of the early daytime scenes, we just had to kind of, like, get through as fast as possible, um, you know, while still shooting good coverage and, like, the type of coverage I was wanting on them. So that was definitely the most challenging thing for me. Uh, I'm definitely more of a fan of night shoots where you can just light it, 
control everything. And yeah, I'm also just kind of a night person myself. So I just am like, yeah, if I'm awake all night. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, what was, uh, I mean, without giving too much away, obviously, uh, what was the f- most fun, uh, scene or the most fun part for you personally of, of making this film? Yeah. Um, the most fun part for sure, just in terms of like sheer enjoyment per second of film time, were, uh, just any of the gore effects that we were doing. Okay. Um, yeah, it just was super fun to shoot all of those and like the setup for it, you know, was a little bit crazy and like a little worrying as uh, a few of the effects. It was like if they didn't work the first time, it was going to be pretty disastrously bad. And uh, luckily, most of them did work the first time. And uh, it's just like as soon as that moment happens that you've like run through kind of like the temp version a million times. Uh, just in your head or whatever, and then just as soon as I'm seeing it on the screen as it's happening, it's just like a very exciting moment. There's uh, one kill in particular that we sort of did in a bit of an old-school scanners kind of way, and uh, the whole like process of shooting that and just making it happen was extremely fun. Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, Yeah, it's um, it's a fun, fun film to watch. I mean, uh, and, you know, you said it earlier. I mean, I, I, and I, I think I read it someplace too. I mean, it is kind of like that old school, like, um, horror movie feel, you know? Um, it's, uh, I don't know. And it's, it's unique, but in a way it's, it's back to basics and especially with the, the gore aspect. Um, uh, you know, I really like, um, it's not over the top. Uh, it's kind of just like, just enough. Oh, yeah, good to hear. Um, um yeah, I, I feel like there's a good level of gore that I like to use. Like, it's not, you know, ultra realistic in that sort of drive kind of sense or whatever, but I don't know, I kind of like to do a pseudo over the top thing in a way that's a little bit more realistic. So it's just like, it kind of grosses some people out. And to me, it's just really fun. Right. Yeah. No. So, I mean, so this film is making a festival, um, run and it's, um, it's got some good, um, good acclaim to it. Um, do you still have festivals coming up or, um, we definitely do. Um, it's actually, it's playing in my hometown of St. Louis. Uh, next month, which is I'm actually pretty stoked about because most of the, a lot of the people that made the movie are living out there and have not seen the movie yet, and I know they they've been just like, man, when can I see this thing? And now they finally can. And uh, my, much my daughter in the background. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, I think there's something, something going on there. Um, but, but yeah, we've got okay. that, and then we've got a few that I can't announce yet but that i'm also really excited about okay um can you talk about um distribution dad do you have any um anything on the table yet for that or uh what did you say for distribution okay yeah um yeah yeah we do we have a couple deals lined up in some territories and it's unfortunately also a lot of stuff i can't really talk about yet but there's like some pretty cool like blu-ray releases that are going to happen in certain places uh i've been putting together special features um we've got some pretty fun stuff on there there's uh i I, hopefully other people will find this funny uh to me there's some deleted there's a good chunk of deleted scenes that myself and my friend who is uh adam hartley the guy who plays pete uh played a commentary for and I feel like that was one of the most fun things I ha- did when I was doing the bonus features. So, okay, hoping people enjoy that. Well, we look forward to that definitely. That, that sounds cool. Um, so, um, uh, I also I, I just want to touch base on this real quick while um, I was uh, looking you up. It looks like you also did um, something um, 
uh, an episode of uh, World of Death, and I, it's got something to do with uh, Bloody Disgusting. Um, can you talk yeah. to a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's a short film that I did that's called Mindless, and it, it is still yet to air on World of Death, but at some point it will. Uh, and uh, once they're sort of also putting out sort of like a compilation on home video kind of deal, and it will be, will be on that as well. But yeah, okay. this is actually several of the people that are involved in Tonight She Comes are in this. Uh, my friend Adam, he is the main character in it. And uh, this was sort of just like a super indie little short film that we did. Um, super limited crew and cast, but it was also a ton of fun. We got to do some cool uh, practical effects in that as well. Okay. Right, very cool. I mean, um, that's been fantastic talking to you. Um, and I uh, just want to throw it back to you and just if you have anything else that um, is on your mind that you want to unplug or tell us about, um, you know, the floor is yours. Yeah, I guess uh, the only thing I'll say now is if you have seen the trailers for Tonight She Comes or anything like that and you think it's cool, I'll uh, let you know you could also right now head over to Amazon Prime and check out my film Rewind which is the first film that I did, and it's a pretty super low-budget found footage time travel movie. But I think despite that, and you may be like, oh, God, but I think despite that, we put sort of like a different sort of spin on it and uh, seems to have sort of a love it or hate it kind of reaction, which I kind of love. That sounds good. We'll um, put a link right up with this interview so, um, you know, anyone can get to it easily. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Uh, well, uh, once again, you know, um, you know, I, I recommend it. Um, you know, I've seen it. It's a really cool movie. Tonight She Comes is the name of it. Um, and, um, you know, if you like, uh, you know, gore and, and, you know, sex and violence and all that stuff, I mean, this is going to be the movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Um, good talking to you, and um, you know, good luck with um, you know everything in the festival run and uh, distribution. Thanks. Yeah, it was great talking to you too.